Hey everybody, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you yet another amazing episode of the podcast. Um, and I apologize if in this intro you can hear uh, what's, you know, the ambient noise because my neighbors are doing their, uh, running their dishwasher and it's quite loud because the walls are quite thin. So there you go. If you can hear that, great. If not, awesome. Uh, but anyway, yes, this is an, another episode of the podcast, obviously, episode 66, which is all about Captain America Civil War, which, uh, no, no spoilers here in the intro, but it was awesome. I loved it. Um, and we get into it in the episode, obviously. So spoilers for, uh, Captain America Civil War. I don't know. We got a little, little weird about spoilers. It was, I don't know. It just... The energy was was strange in this one. I think uh, we were all fairly tired, but we still wanted to talk about this movie because uh, JP, James, and myself all really enjoyed it and enjoyed what Marvel has been doing so far uh, in in regards to Captain America. So, yeah, uh, just, you know, general spoiler warning. It's going to happen anyway. I mean, at this point, if you haven't seen it, then I don't think you ever will. I mean, or you're waiting for it to come on uh, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. Uh, but yeah, and, uh, just, uh, in case you were wondering, you know, Sam, when are you gonna maybe, like, write something again? Because it's been a while, I assume you're saying, because I just assume people are thinking certain things, because it's actually just my own psychosis, uh, <laughs> bleeding through in my brain. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that. It's been a, it's been a weird few weeks, uh, what with my job and just general internet stuff, because sometimes it's exhausting, uh, trying to be a part, or not trying, but being a part of a particular community. So yeah, I'm taking a slight break in terms of the writing because it takes a lot out of me and when I get home I'm quite tired. So yes, I will be writing something eventually, soon, possibly next week, but uh, just uh, these are easier to do. Uh, They're also a lot of fun to bounce off uh, of people and talk to them, so yeah, enjoy them while they're they're rapidly coming at you because it may dry up soon (laughs) if I can't book people. Uh, in the relatively near future. But anyway, you don't want to hear about that. You want to enjoy this awesome episode with myself, JP, and James talking all about Captain America Civil War. No, it's, it's, it's kind of like a nice thing to just put on, because we're so, so angry. So angry. Like, on so many levels angry. No, but what I love about that, too, is that I feel like I'm more entertaining when I'm angry sometimes. It's like you just kind of put yourself in that position where you're just saying things, and you're just like, fuck it, I don't care if people think I know I think that. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, we got we got Killy McSnaps your neck now, and I mean, it's... <laughs> oh, it doesn't get old. I love it. <laughs> Paul, I haven't had a chance to connect with Paul. I keep trying to call him, and every time I do, he's like, hey, fucker, I'm at work. And I'm like, you don't work. Stop lying. You drive a truck on a rail line, and you spray weeds using a fucking joystick that sits in the fucking vehicle. You don't actually do work. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm um, kind of curious what his opinion is of the rage cast. <laughs> well, it was funny because <laughs> he, uh, he had started listening to it, and the text I got about 20 minutes in was, "I've been listening to this for 20 minutes, and I already want to punch you in the throat." <laughs> it's just like, I'm sorry, dude. Your movie sucked. I I don't know what to tell you. Well, if he wanted to punch you, what did he want to do? What did he want to happen to me? <laughs> That's the thing. He hates me fervently. Like, I, well, and the thing is, is like, I don't know. Because that's the odd thing is like me and him had a conversation where like he agreed that there were certain things that definitely didn't deliver. Like he was totally on board with like Doomsday being just shit. Like he was just like, yeah, no, that was horrible. Like I really wish they hadn't put Doomsday in this movie. It's like, like everybody hope, like everybody wishes he hadn't done that. But. Mm-hmm. And then today he sent me a thing from, like, some movie site that confirmed that um, Ben Affleck was just confirmed as the executive producer on uh, Justice League. Yeah. And so I was just like, huh, well, with any luck, maybe he'll uh, he'll stem the tide of Snyder's murderverse to, <laughs> to some degree. Because Ben Affleck, like, I've read a couple of, like, um, follow-up interviews uh, that they've had with him since the whole, like, sad Affleck video. And, mm-hmm. like, he is, he is just morose about... Like like the 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 the, criti- the criticism that came down on the movie, like uh. because he was the guy going like, it, I learned my lesson in Daredevil. I'm not going to repeat Daredevil. And the thing is, is like I'm the guy going. You you didn't. You did fine. Yeah. You did okay. It has I nothing mean, to do with you. Find what you had. You did great. <laughs> Snyder's the one who fucked up here. Like yeah. this is not on you. This is on Snyder. Like you're not the one to blame. We all know who it is. Like you, the the thing is, what you can give Ben Affleck credit for is trying to do everything in his power to steer the ship the other way. <laughs> like, right. Like he, I, I firmly believe that Chris Terrio was brought on because of him, and I'm pretty sure that Terrio was was responsible for at least some coherency in some scenes. You know, maybe I don't know. I mean, other than seeing the script and where Terrio wrote like a color coded version of it. <laughs> Uh, that that's the only way we'd know. But I want to believe that Terry is a much better writer than Goyer because he's got an Oscar at the very least. <laughs> but again, that's not a sign of necessarily quality writing either. There are a lot of people who have Oscars who probably didn't deserve them. <laughs> but uh, but it, it just feels like it, once Ben Affleck was brought on board and the, the, the things that kept coming out, like he was rewriting his own scenes like to, to make make it I guess make it better or something it just sounds like he was trying to soften <laughs> certain parts <laughs> but he tried. yeah he tried but he wasn't an executive producer yet I think now if he's in that position he'll have a lot more say <laughs> be like right. hey Zach knock it off you fucker <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wants to watch your murderers stop it <laughs> it's like the people have spoken and you consistently don't listen to them or learn the wrong lessons from it. Go figure. Man, he doesn't listen. No. It's amazing how much.
because he doesn't listen. Well, and it's not even like not listening. It's it's getting defensive. Hello? Hello? JP? Oh. Hello? He keeps keeps going away. He keeps wandering off into the ether somewhere. <laughs> but uh, that no, that's that's interesting that he would. He would come up. There was someone who puts a, a gif out of the uh, 66 Batman where he's running with the bomb. <laughs> he's just trying to get rid of it. <laughs> it's like some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Skype sound port <laughs> module. What the <laughs> fuck is that? I like how you're trying to fix it <laughs> while we're having this conversation. Snyder's Murderverse fuels my anger to fucking fix this bullshit on my computer. Well, if JP would get up here, we could actually talk about a good movie. Right? Fuck. <laughs> I know, like, so I went, <laughs> I went and I had a bunch of people, fuck it, I'm not recording it then, um, a bunch of people who were just like, so, what did you think? <laughs> and I was just like, uh, it's immediately better than Batman versus Superman. Like, in yeah. the first five minutes, it was better than Batman versus Superman. Oh my god! I was like, really? In the first thirty seconds, <laughs> it was already better than that movie in a hundred ways. And they're like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "I actually understood the plot yeah. like from the get go." I was just like, "It's really clear. <laughs> it's very Tony straightforward." Wants it one way. He wants it another way. <laughs> they want the same things, but by different means in so many ways, yet different. <laughs> So yeah, no, I would I love it like, if it, oh. like someone just trying to describe plots in like weird ways. <laughs> like they want the same things and yet different things. Right. <laughs> I was like, they were like, "What do you?" Well, they were like, "Like what was?" And then they asked like the wrong question. Like they should have asked, "What was right with the movie?" Mm. Instead, they asked, "What was wrong with Batman versus Superman?" Oh like, lord. <laughs> You're like, I have this whole three-hour therapy session I went through. You should listen to that first. (laughs) And then develop some follow-up questions. Should you listen to podcasts? Uh, No, you should start, Mm. and this is the one you should start with. Yes. Just get some typed-out responses ready to go. Worst case scenario, you'll never listen to a podcast from anybody ever again. (laughs) But it'll be three hours that you'll be like, what the hell? And I can live with that. Yeah. It's like by the end of it, hopefully you'll you'll come away understanding why we did not care for that movie. <laughs> I mean like on so many levels. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well and what's great is I was really glad that because um, I had listened to your podcast with uh what's his name? Uh the comedian guy with uh Oh Graham Elwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so I started <laughs> consequently started listening to his blog. Um, or his podcast. Well, the comedy and, film nerds? Yeah, oh my uh. god. A, those guys are fucking hilarious. Right. Uh, B, they just point out, like, so many of the things that I'm like, yep, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm. I felt that way about that movie, <laughs> yep. Did you listen to their spoiler up? <laughs> See, and, and I love the spoiler ups, but, it, like, even towards the end, Graham sounded just exhausted, like, he just didn't want to talk about <laughs> right? like, I'm just so done with this shit yeah it's like it's it's and i know that people have been talking about like oh superhero movie fatigue like no it's terrible movie fatigue like i don't want to like you know waste my time on a movie that look i i kind of already know is going to be horrible 
you know. Time slash money. Because mm-hmm. that, that's the other side of the token is like, I mean, as somebody who's going to, who's probably going <laughs> to, we're probably going to podcast about it. Mm. We're going to give our critique of it. Yeah. So, like, we kind of obligate ourselves to paying the money to watch it. Mm-hmm. But even, like, then, like, I don't want my money to feel like it was, it was a waste. Yeah. Because now all I'm going to do is just bitch about this movie <laughs> and how horrible it was for, like, ever. Like, I'm, I'll go on hiatus for a while. Like, I haven't had a good, like, like, up until Civil War and people asking me, like, what was wrong with Batman versus Superman? I had kind of, like, let it go. I was, like, it wasn't, it was not really, like, it was filed away in the catacombs for the day somebody decided to bring it up. Yeah. And then they did. <laughs> and now here we are again, and I'm like, son of a bitch. Well, and, and it's almost like you watch Civil War, and you're 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 happy that this movie exists, and then you almost get kind of mad at Batman versus Superman all over again because you're like, like it wasn't that hard, guys. <laughs> like they did, and that's the thing. Like the the one thing that sticks out the most is how similar the I mean the plot the plot is supposed to be between the two of them. Like and, and that and Daredevil. Like the thing is, we got three different superhero properties that covered similar territory and all three did it very differently with varying results on the low end of the scale obviously is batman versus superman <laughs> but then you have like daredevil and and civil war that's all about like ideological differences and and, and whatnot and everything they managed to do that pretty damn good on both ends and, and you just want to look at that and go like hey guys guess what this one works out <laughs> right mm-hmm so it's it, it almost just makes you get kind of pissed off all over again. <laughs> like, no, it does. It really does. And I don't like being mad at movies. Mm-hmm. Like I want I want to enjoy movies. What's the thing? If it's a movie I know, like going into it, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's gonna be a terrible movie. Yeah, I'm okay with it, and I can accept it, and and I I don't harbor all that ill will. It's it's what I expect great things mm. <laughs> and then and then i'm terribly let down i get like a great thing and then the rest of it's just a giant shit show <laughs> well like i've been seeing kind of the um what is it you know a cur- not cursory oh, what's the word um the stupid x-men movie what the hell apocalypse yeah so the uh. Yeah, <laughs> so the reviews are starting to come in on that because the embargo's been lifted on the journalists, and and it, it's so middling to nothing on that. Like some people are, you know, you're gonna have your fans, you're gonna have the people who are just like, I don't fucking care about this movie anymore. And just because I have my fatigue has always been on the the X Men movies. I just don't really, even the good ones aren't really like that great, you know. <laughs> right. So it's always hard for me to get excited because, I mean, you figure in 92 when that when the X-Men cartoon was out at the same time as, like, Batman, the animated series, those were, like, the two, those were, like, the two cartoons I watched religiously was X-Men and, and Batman. And it's just, it's like, for these X-Men movies, it's just like, how can they get so many things wrong about so many characters? <laughs> and no one seems to care. Right, like they're just. I can hear you now. Yeah, the X Men movies—they don't even try.
try. What was that? JP? Yeah, no, I'm, I've got two problems to solve. One, you guys couldn't hear me, and now Pamela won't connect. Yeah, James. Okay. My Pamela wouldn't connect either. Well, I'm, I'm recording, Something so. About firewall issue. Mm-mm. Yeah, I was getting the same one. Uh, it could be because of the Skype update. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. You remember the good old days of Pamela? <laughs> well, Pamela is my bread and butter, so. There you go. Well, clearly it's uh, it's only one of those things, not both today. <laughs> but which is it? The yeah, bread yeah. or the butter? Which is it? Swear to me. Okay. I did not mean. Why do you keep saying that name? (sighs) Why did you say that name? (laughs) Oh no, we've just been going back and forth. But um, are are we good? Are we ready to go? I suppose so. Yeah, as long as one of us is recording and we can get we we have a file to edit, then I think I guess we're fine. No. Call it Martha. <laughs> I no, I'm I'm recording it. This fine. is not a this is not a BVS conversation. No, but I didn't say it was. it's going to come up anyway. So. <laughs> so don't take it so personally, Jason. Is your mother's name Martha as well? <laughs> I dated a Martha once. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. That means you and Batman and Superman can all be bestie friends. You guys are all besties now. Yay! Or I'm, or I'm secretly their father and they don't know it. Ooh. Would you really want to be father to Murderverse Batman and Murderverse Superman? Uh, I'd like, probably be dead, so... <laughs> or it'd be like the worst Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> so what did, Like, what did you do today, son? I stared into the abyss, father. I thought about mother. <laughs> Superman's over in the corner going, Oh yeah, that's Martha. My mom has the same name. Why do you say that name? <laughs> oh man, he, he, she got it right, man. Like, mm. like how it should have ended. They nailed that so hard. So good. Oh my god, they so did. <laughs> um, but as as JP pointed out, we were technically not here to talk about Batman versus Superman. Yeah, fuck those guys. That's right. We're here to talk about Captain America Civil War. It's like, fuck yeah. America! <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> Still, the slowed down version is my favorite when they get all, like, sad. It's like, America! <laughs> fuck yeah! Uh, <laughs> so good. It's so good. Um, we're here to talk about no, we're here to talk about Captain America 3, or just Captain America Civil War, but it's, te- <laughs> yeah, you know. it's technically Captain America 3 in... It's like one half dozen of the other. Pre- pretty much, which I, I, I actually kind of believe, and you know, you can correct me if you'd like, but this is my opinion. Uh, I, I really think that the Captain America movies are the best in terms of like their trilogies uh, from the Marvel uh, factory of movies, because... Don't get me wrong, I love Iron Man 1. The first one is my favorite, like, uh, it's, it's up there. Like, I, I haven't done the rank the Marvel movies thing yet. It's one of the best origin stories. Yeah! It's it's just a really good, like, way to, like, kick off a universe. Um, which they didn't know if they were going to get a chance to do, so it's still just a kick-ass movie. 
because uh, so I love the first Iron Man, and uh, but I uh, Iron Man two is just so unwatchably bad for me. <laughs> it's just I can't do it. Anytime it's on, I'm just kind of like, nope, this is just not happening. Uh, if I ignore Mickey Rourke, I'm okay with the dialogue of that movie, mm. but only if I ignore Mickey Rourke. I don't know. They even managed to make, um, oh, what's his name? Sam Rockwell not charming, like not an engaging character. And he's usually pretty good even in the worst movies. Like, I, I sat through Gentleman Broncos, and he was clearly the best part of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's barely in it, so. <laughs> but uh, but but I I did enjoy like Iron Man three. I thought that uh, Shane Black did a really good job, and I didn't care about the Mandarin, uh, you know, switcheroo. So because I'm not invested in a caricature of. Uh, All I cared about in that movie, hmm. like a hundred Iron Man suits. Yeah. All like, the Iron Man suits. Um, and then, I mean, even with the Thor movies, I mean, we've only got two so far, but they've been very interchangeable. You just like, the first one was surprising. Don't get me wrong. Cause no one thought Thor was going to work. It was like the holdout for a lot of people were like, if they can't make this work, I don't know how they're going to make adventures work. Uh, but turned out to be very surprisingly entertaining. And the second one is, is just about the same. Like it doesn't do any better or worse. I feel than the first one, but the Captain America movies, the first one, I I still adore. Like, if it's on, I will watch it because it's a great, you know, send-off to the 40s um, as well as doing the job of getting you ready for the Avengers and kind of and setting all the stuff up for Cap. Oh God, Agent Carter. So. Yeah. And, and I do understand when people say, like, it's, you know, it, it's rushed. Like, even I felt it was rushed. But at the same time, that first act gives you everything you need to know about Steve Rogers. And that's the most important thing that it needed to do. Like if you didn't go, if you didn't come out of that movie liking Steve Rogers first, then they didn't do their job, you know, but winter soldier was like vast improvement. And you're just like, this is so fucking kick ass. How did I not have this in my life? Um, And then I feel like civil war is just like, amping that up to 11 like it's still a cat movie but it's also technically an avengers movie um so i uh jason i want to start with you what what has been your opinion of the 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 smaller trilogies within the uh the marvel universe thus far so yeah i i you're not wrong um i think there is an advantage with cap in that he has become the center of the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Like, we all think we're the center of the universe, but <laughs> it really is the center of the universe. Um, <laughs> and so as a result, he benefits from that greatly. And I would... It, so Civil War has less to, to do with being a Captain America and more to do with being a payoff of character work. I think what's interesting is the people that I've seen who've um, complained about the movie. Their largest complaint is that it seemed anticlimactic. Mm. Um, and like there's all this buildup and very little payoff. But I think that's because most people who go see to these see these movies are going in what I are going in with what I call a Michael Bay um, syndrome, mm-hmm. which is I'm just here to see 
a big action movie. And you certainly got that in this movie, which, um, I mean, that fight scene is... Oh my god, we will so get into that. Lifetime. (laughs) Um, But I do think that the magic of this movie is its character payoff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Cap and the Cap movies just benefit from being where a lot of that character work happens in these in these um, movies, particularly because of who Cap is in. I'll I'll say this: uh, unlike as good as RDJ is as as Iron Man, and as good as all these individual characters have been in their roles, like Paul Rudd's Ant Man is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like it's not kind of good; it's like really good. Like <laughs> it makes me want to be an Ant-Man fan in every aspect of the character again. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of them have redefined a character the way um, the way Chris Evans has, has done for Captain America for me. Mm-hmm. And he's taken what Captain America is, which is not just a standalone hero, but a leader among heroes and he's made that come alive through those movies, and I think it benefits from that strongly. Definitely, no, I I, I agree. I, James, what's uh, I mean, you were you were kind of talking about it with me while I was going on my thing, but what's uh, what has been your opinion so far of like the the individual movies that have been kind of like uh, leading up to this? Right. Um... Just to start. Um, <laughs> I mean, I agree. Like, Iron Man was the the, the kickoff to, to the entire universe. And, and, uh, and I'm just a huge Robert Downey fan uh, mm. overall. Um, I've always liked the different movies he makes. He always had something unique to a lot of his characters. Um, also another guy who is usually the best thing about the worst movie he's in. Right. Um, and so this was one of those where... I mean, like you, like Iron Man two, admittedly is is the was the low point of that trilogy. Mm. Um, just because it got bogged down with a lot of dialogue, that was the biggest problem of the movie. Is like it, very much like JP kind of said. A lot of people, I think, go to these movies kind of expecting lots of, especially with like Iron Man. Just the way that the first movie kind of set things up is Iron Man's just going to blow a bunch of shit up. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be awesome in an Iron Suit. Um, we didn't see a lot of that in Iron Man 2. Like, <laughs> he had a suit, but who cares? Yeah. Um, instead, it's talkie time. Um, well, which, I, you know, I was, I was overall fine with for, for a lot of different reasons. But um, Thor is probably the least impressive series to me so far. I mean, and that's given the fact we haven't seen Ragnarok yet. Mm-hmm got a lot of hope. The <laughs> Ragnarok is going to be like it's going to be the Thor movie to make Thor feel beyond an Avenger movie like his own badass because that's really the only exclusive piece for me where like Thor really has shined is like the first Avengers movie um, that whole fight between Iron Man and Cap and Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mean, it's these three just powerhouses. You know, it's two mortal men. 
going up against a god. And, I mean, they did a great job of making Thor seem incredibly powerful. I mean, they did that a few times in the other movies and everything. But I just, I don't know. I just never felt like I cared. Um, yeah. That and they, I always felt like the damn romance story was so shoehorned in there that it just got in the way of them, like, having an amazing movie. Like, I was like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care about the scientist. Like, I'm glad she's dirty, but I don't give a shit. Like, her her sister or cousin or intern or whoever the fuck she is, she's far more entertaining. Like, Meow meow? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, yeah, I mean, we, because, uh, because, Guardians hasn't had its series yet. Like, so far it's only done its one, and its one was fucking amazing yeah and, um, and we're not even really certain how much crossover there's gonna be with them i mean maybe until infinity gauntlet you know yeah like well there isn't really gonna be any crossover as far as i know until we get to that point yeah i'm predicting that the towards the end of the second movie that's where we'll actually see a little bit of crossover um because while well, they kind of have to meet each other at some point yeah are we going to speculate? Can I speculate? I want to speculate. Sure, go ahead. Um, well, just let, let James get through his... Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can so, speculate. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, Captain America has been a phenomenal movie, uh, movie trilogy because, like uh, as I said, the first one was a really great jumping off point as far as establishing as said, like, who who is Steve Rogers? And Evans has done a phenomenal job of maintaining who is Steve Rogers through each of these movies. Like, at some point, he's always faced with his own moral value versus the country he, he loves. And, and understandably, he's now officially reached the realization that hmm, it's definitely not the 1940s anymore. <laughs> and there's some shit I really don't like. I don't like the way the country has kind of turned around. It's no longer about your common man and helping each other and that, that that brotherhood or anything like that. Now it's politics and whoever's out for whoever and, and you know, I have to walk on eggshells to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, um, I actually think that, I actually think that it's, it's, it's more than that. It's not just the time period change. Um, right. Because if, I think the beauty of Cap's story, because everyone wants to make this about Iron Man, right? That Iron Man feels guilty and that Iron Man feels like he has to do this because of the mistakes he's made. But this is as much about Cap even going back to the first Captain America um, and the way it ended where I think there were some choices at the end of that first Captain America movie that he just didn't agree with. And then we see Avengers and for me the this movie that we just watched began in that scene in the gym between Captain America and um, and um, Nick Fury. Nick Fury, mm-hmm. and this the, this this dialogue where Cap's like, you know, with everything that's gone on and me waking up, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know where I fit in this world. I don't know where I belong. And Nick's answer is, well. You're the good soldier, so just keep being the good soldier. And where that story is gone, I, I I don't know that it's just that the world is different. I feel like it's Cap realizing that he's been naive even back in the 1940s, and his whole like 
blind commitment to being the good hero and being the good soldier has led him to this path, and he just can't tolerate that anymore. Well, and and, and really, like the what what the movie centers on. I mean, because I mean. If you guys don't even, like, for those listening who don't know what we're talking about, obviously this is Captain America 3 Civil War, uh, which is based off of the comic of the same name, which had a very, had a similar yet very different plot going on, um, mostly focusing on the registration of heroes in the wake of a terrible accident that happens because of uh, some superheroes in a reality TV show. (laughs) Um... So, but the the premise of the movie uh, goes thusly because we can actually describe the plot in this one. <laughs> oh my god! Right, uh, coming off of Age of Ultron, in which they uh, basically stop the robot from destroying the world by dropping the city of Sokovia, you know, from a very high distance, and this creating another kind of like ice age level event uh, of the meteors and the extinction of dinosaurs and what whatnot. Uh, Post-Sokovia, the Avengers are now uh, working themselves out with the team that's like Cap and Black Widow and what's uh, War Machine, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. Um, and so they're working things out as a team, and Iron Man's fit in the bill, basically. He's, he's technically retired, like quote-unquote retired. But because it's Tony Stark, he feels guilt for literally everything that's happened since before the first Iron Man movie. Um, and in his guilt, uh, he's confronted by uh, Alfred Woodard's character. Actually, not even character, just Alfred Woodard as some random mom who lost her son in Sokovia and uh, basically blames him. And because Tony Stark is... I, I want to say that everyone in the Marvel Universe is Catholic, the, the way they hold on to guilt. So... <laughs> Uh, Tony's so, like, over overcome more with guilt and responsibility and unresolved daddy issues that he's very encouraging of a document called the Sokovia Accords, which are presented to the Avengers in the wake of an incident that happened in Lagos, Nigeria, and there was crossbones involved and people died. So it's really just, it comes down to the idea of accountability and uh, freedom of choice. Like, that's what's going on here, is that... Uh, Iron Man thinks that the Avengers need to be put in check, that they need to have people kind of looking over their shoulder or telling them what to do so that they don't uh, risk more collateral damage. Uh, whereas Cap is on the side of, we can't we can't take away our freedom to choose where to go and who to save, because if we're under the uh, arm of the UN, if we're if we are the tool of a government body, that has an agenda of its own, who's to say that what they decide is the right choice? Um, And then it just kind of builds and builds and builds uh, once we throw in the Winter Soldier and a mysterious cover-up and everything that ultimately, like like what JP was saying with some of the criticisms, where it feels anticlimactic to some, but at the end of the day, like there are repercussions that happen in this movie that are going to carry over into the, the um, next films. So I don't think it's anticlimactic at all. I think it's an intimate film. Uh, it's much more confident and wants the audience and, and trusts that the audience is confident in these characters and knows them well enough that they will follow them through the whole thing. But I mean, but that's, that's the whole scenario here is that it's boiling down to, two friends going up against each other ideologically that spills out into an all-out brawl. Um, 
and a lot of that has to do with like lingering feelings from previous movies and character development that carries over in a nutshell. Did I leave anything out that you think is important guys? I think that pretty much sums it up. Okay, good. So I managed to get that done in like less than five minutes where it took us three hours to get. Oh my God. Right. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, but, uh, but to go, to go back to what I was actually starting before I got to the plot, um, like there's so much carryover in this movie, like especially with Cap, because if you look at that first movie, every, you know a lot of what he's done has been because of Bucky. You know this is building off of, you know he wanted to go to war with Bucky. He he risked everything to save Bucky once he was Captain America. Like that's the reason he broke away from the USO thing he was doing was because Bucky was missing. Um, you know, after, after Bucky supposedly dies, he get, you know, he's much more like a little bit harsher, um, when he's going up against like Red Skull and shit. And the Winter Soldier is all about rediscovering Bucky and appealing to who Bucky used to be. And Civil War is very much a continuation of that in which Cap's friendship with Bucky is what's very, which, sorry, which is basically putting him up against Tony who's dealing with his own personal, you know, issues. And so it becomes this push and pull of friendship versus duty and honor and, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, which I think is just so fitting. It just works so well for this movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I, yeah, it, it's really, I think, I think what makes this movie so, I am not prepared yet. I'm going to see it again on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, a second time. I am not yet prepared to put it ahead of Guardians. Okay. Um, simply for me, because I think Guardians completely on its own is a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Where Captain America is a fantastic film in the context of all all the stuff going on around it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just don't know yet how I feel about that, whether I'm ready to put it there. But for me, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my all-time favorite movies at this point. Like, hands down, top five of all movies. And Civil War, a year from now, because I always give it some time to really set in before I make a statement like that, mm-hmm. I could see myself making a similar statement. The majority of that is because of the character work. Mm-hmm. And it is not... You're right. It's Cap and Bucky. It's Scarlet Witch and Vision. It's the it's Hawkeye is in this movie for a grand total of five minutes. <laughs> Maybe six. Mm-hmm. And yet, he has complete character growth. Yep. Like, I retired. Now I'm, like, trapped. Like... That little moment between he and Tony, um, when they're locked up, mm-hmm. like that's it. That's all you needed. And now Hawkeye has like total character growth. Like he's he's in the movie for like two scenes, and then like he's got a whole like thing that's happened. To him. Yeah. Um. So it's those two. It. I'll I'll save the best for when we get there. Mm-hmm. But. Um, the way, the way Black Panther and Spider Man are handled in this movie. Oh yeah. Uh, and 
it's just it leaves me like speechless how well it's done like there are some things like the, the best thing I can relate it to is in the mass of crap that is on the internet every once in a while you come across something that just makes you really happy mm-hmm. like it might be a cat playing a piano <laughs> it might be a dog being excited about its long lost owner whatever that video is that you come across that is just like 15 minutes of joy that you didn't know you would otherwise have in your life mm-hmm. that is every bit what Black Panther and Spider-Man are in this film <laughs> um, see I would just use that to describe the film in general because I'm, I'm not even kidding I got out of the theater and I was just like that was a fucking awesome movie. Like, I was, I just, it's it's like I needed that. Like, I needed this palate cleanser after the other thing oh I had to watch. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I didn't have any um, issues going in. I was, I, I was fairly confident I was going to like this movie, but I came out of it just being like, oh my God, this is just amazing. <laughs> like, I, it, it's just, I, I don't know, like the, the, if you were to compare and contrast, you know, this and, and Batman versus Superman, which would be a very easy thing to do because they are relying on a similar uh, thematic story, basically, of heroes fighting each other over an ideological difference. It's only that Cap, you know, just does it way better. And again, like, we, I mean, we've talked about this in other podcasts before where... There's a purpose to their argument in this movie? Yeah, well, and that's the thing is because they've spent all this time building the characters up and even even when cap and and tony meet for the first time in the avengers there's already that underlying kind of resentment coming off of tony because i mean that's just robert downey jr being robert downey jr i mean he he kind of plays it with a little bit of resentment already there and and you understand where that's coming from and then you just you you learn more and more and more with each movie to the point where you this seems inevitable you know like even even like Iron Man two contributes a little bit to this, you know it 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 it's all been I don't want to say that it's all been leading up to this, but in terms of the way they've been crafting the stories, they did a better job of making their um their uh disagreement, their ideological shift, like everything made sense in accordance to how they've written these characters in the movies thus far. And that's, uh, as much as the Avengers, the first Avengers was like an action payoff. And, and, you know, like when you see them working together, you're like, this is what I've been waiting for. Uh, Cap, Captain America, Winters, not Winter Soldier, uh, Civil War is the emotional payoff, I think, for these characters that we've kind of been waiting for or we've seen coming down the line. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I completely agree, and it's all the characters. And my, my yeah, my point was just going to be, you, you just don't normally get this. You don't get good character work in a big budget action film, mm-hmm. and um, this is really good character work. Like, I could see this winning an award as much for being a drama as it is for being an action comic book movie. Yeah. Um, and that's that's hard to do. And it's hard... Like, legitimately, Chris Evans is my favorite Captain America. 
of all and Brubaker of all of them. I think Chris Evans has built my favorite Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in, in terms of of where we can go with this, um, do we want to do we want to start with kind of the the cast of characters because they have a huge there's a huge cast. But JP brought up a good point that we have some newbies introduced into this one. We've got our Black Panther and our Spider-Man. So do we want to... How about we start there? Because they are... I mean, everyone knows that they were going to be in the movie to begin with. So it's not like it's a big surprise. Not a shocker. Um, James, what was... Uh, how did you feel they did with uh, with Black Panther? Oh, my God. <laughs> they did so well. And I mean, so... So let's start. Let's start at casting. Okay. Um, this is this is an actor. Um, honestly, I'm I'm not familiar with. Um, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Um, so it was it was really great seeing somebody that I know relatively little about. I shouldn't even say relatively. I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, jump into this role and just deliver such a stunning. Stunning performance. Um, I mean, he he represented the character in a very clean way. He represented the character in all of the right ways. Because, um, I mean, the character stands for more than just what becomes, so to speak, his revenge factor. Um, I mean, the character, A, we have, we have black heroes. Mm-hmm. But he represents something different from, like, just your, like, just being a black hero. Like, he represents something that I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the movie. Uh, you know, if if they're going to touch on um, anything regarding, like, the apartheid in Africa or um, the way, uh, you know, uh, tribes are treated in Africa, things like that. Like, I'm interested to see how any of that's going to play into the future. Um, and what kind of representation the character is going to be there for with that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just did such a good job. I mean, like, I felt for the character from the get-go. I could feel why he was angry. I understood why he was angry. I understood why he wanted revenge, so to speak. Um, outside, like, outside of that, I mean, as far as what they did for the character, as far as combat-wise, I mean, they... They took it to the nth degree. I mean, he's he, he's called the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He needs to be quick. He needs to be agile. He brought, I don't know what kind of, like, kung fu shit to the table, <laughs> but it was great. Um, because he held his own. And that's the thing. is like, they didn't do any background. Like, we'll get that later. But they didn't, and they didn't need to. Like, they just established, like, this guy is a badass. And they just did it so well in the fact that he, I mean, he's, he's obviously, like, super strong. And whether that is the amalgamation of what his suit does for him or whether that is just whatever he has, because there there is something about Black Panther that even in the comics, there's a certain level of, like, mysticism behind the character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not just, like, a metahuman or... Um, or a mutant, or an enhanced, if you will. No, he's, uh, yeah, because the, the Black Panther is is rooted in a lot more of uh, African mythology, 
and uh, Afrofuturism as well, because Wakanda, the the country that he he hails from, Prince uh, T'Challa, uh, well now King T'Challa, I guess. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, uh, they're supposed to be like one of the most advanced countries in the world, but they are also one of the most isolated countries because they don't trust no one outside their borders. Um, right. and, and they make that very clear. Like his father makes that very clear uh, early on at, at, at a conference where he talks about the fact that um, you know they have this very rare metal. Yeah, vibranium created like a huge divide for people, and so they had to like. Sec- kind of seclude themselves away so people would leave them be and and all that kind of stuff um so yeah i mean his motivations are understood he's a badass um and then like the come to jesus moment where where (laughs) he finally like he sees the truth of everything and just like that quick like just gets it like it's not it's not like a conflict it's not you know i need to go mope about this or somebody needs to say my mother's name because you know reasons like he just <laughs> he just moves forward with it and he, he goes oh i was in the wrong and the, like there's not this huge moment where he needs to like go and apologize for that or anything like they just move forward and he takes the right steps to make it right mm-hmm. um and and be the 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 man he he was raised to be to, to be this great person. Well, it's it's, um, it's amazing. Has compassion. It's amazing. He goes through an entire revenge arc, like on the sidelines of the movie, like because the way they introduce him is, is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the way that Black Panther's story goes could have easily fallen apart. Like it could have been like an absolutely like could have dragged the movie down. It could have been all these things, but. For some reason, and I don't know if it's a combination... No, it is. It's a combination of the writing and the actor. Because Chadwick Boseman is, first of all, handsome. Second of all, charming. Um, And uh, so when you first meet him at the the UN hearing, and he's talking to Black Widow and his father and everything, you're kind of just, like, immediately on board with him. And then... I mean, it's so, again, it so could have fallen apart when they almost immediately kill his father. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh no, they done blowed his daddy right. up. <laughs> well, because he, he isn't like this direct, as you said, he's not this like direct um, interaction. Like his motivations are his own, strictly his own. Mm-hmm. Like at the, at the point where we see, you know, big showdown um, between all of these heroes, he's only really a part of it because he has his own means of gain. Like, mm-hmm. I I get to potentially get my revenge in this moment. Like, that's it. Like, he really doesn't have, through the entire movie, strict loyalty to one side or the other. He doesn't, he doesn't particularly give a shit yeah. about their issues. Like, I'm after one thing. If this means I get to do that one thing, okay, I'm on your side. But after that, I don't give a shit. Like, but, whatever. But weirdly enough, his story almost... It's so... I'm just even kind of, like, thinking about this off the fly right now. Like, his story kind of mirrors what Cap and Tony are going through. You know, because when they they first, like, introduce him and his father, King T'Challa... T'Chaka, they kind of talk about, like, you know, he would rather... He he understands the diplomacy, but he's not a diplomatic person. You know, they, they kind of mention that. And then, of course, once his father dies and he assumes the role of king in Black Panther, he's just like, I'll kill him myself, you know? And then, you know, it's it's very similar to the, the heightened feelings of how, you know, Steve and Tony are going at stuff. And then finally, when he 
reaches that uh, come to Jesus moment with uh, with I don't I don't know if we can call him a Baron, but Baron Zemo, and everything. Uh, when he gets to that point, that's when kind of the, the resolution really happens. It's almost like he completes the circle in a weird right. way. And so it's so well, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> so um, I loved the character, the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I, we've talked about this before. My first comic book I ever bought was a was a um, Night Stalkers comic book because I loved Blade. My second comic book I ever bought was a Batman comic book. And my third comic book I ever bought was a Black Panther comic book. Because um, Black Panther op- um, occupies a space in comic books that is very... Um, it, the, I think most people, whether they realize it or not, identify with. And it's the, it's the, it's the Midnighter, the Batman, the Daredevil space, which is Black Panther's... There's nothing special about him. He doesn't have magic. He doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't have anything. He's a guy who's trained to hold a mantle from childhood. He comes from a country that is very technologically advanced. But more importantly, he's just wicked smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's he's wicked smart. He's very intuitive. It's one of the reasons when you go back, if you ever go back and you read the the comics and on the, the relationship between him and storm, mm. the reason they fall in love is because they're both on a certain level, um, intellectuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, their conversations are very intellectual. Their conversations are based around these ideas of what does it mean to be good? What does it mean to do the right thing? Um, and I miss those just, two as a couple. <laughs> I do too because I think they were they were the second coming of Reed and and, uh, Reed Richards and um, Sue Storm Sue Storm like they were that level of like you really could understand their arguments because they they rationalize them so well and so this character has to be done a certain way and I think that I think you're right. I think um, it's a mix of who the character is, how Chadwick Boseman plays him, how the writing is executed. Um, I actually, the one thing I didn't like about the movie is the way they use T'Chaka. Mm. Uh, because T'Chaka is a little more core to T'Challa's character. Yeah. And his death is a big, is a big element of, I mean, they try to essentially give us a Black Panther origin story here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in the movie because they set this up in such a way where T'Challa's I think what they're going to do is they're going to have people they're going to force T'Challa into the world um, in a way that centered around a Bucky I just don't know how I feel about that yet. We'll just have to see how it plays out. No, um, no, you're correct. I mean, it's going to be uh, going forward with his movie because I don't think it's like a Wonder Woman thing where they're going to go backwards in order to tell you know the story forward. I think they're going right. to move on from this. And 
which I think in some ways works to his advantage because you don't have to worry about, like, oh, no, we've got to go through another origin story kind of thing. At least you can, from the get-go, okay, Black Panther, and then really maybe explore what that means for a king and superhero in an isolated country. (laughs) Well, and Wakanda's an interesting... To go back to what James is was saying what kind of is an interesting story to tell because it it kind of fills a lot of different space spaces it's a mixture of south africa the congo japan <laughs> um and you know germany kind of mixed all up into one country yeah um where you have a monarchy that's constantly being competed against and most of the black panthers like core villains are actually other wakandans right yeah um and so he's constantly having to protect his throne um but also it's this guy who is king way too young he doesn't deal with that very well um he doesn't want the the mantle of black panther for most of his young life um, he kind of grows into it reluctantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's clearly not where they're going to go. And I don't think it's necessarily to do that in the movie. So it'll be interesting to see how they balance all that. Do they tell like an Africa story and just let him be the leader of an African country? And what does that mean? And, and do that. I think that's a more contemporary story to tell. Mm-hmm. And they could do that well. It'll just be not a stereotypical necessarily black panther story though there's clearly been those kinds of stories told yeah it'll it'll definitely be like you said it'll be interesting because i think and this is also the first of the marvel superheroes in which they are completely foreign born um because i mean scarlet witch is operating now out of america but all the other characters we've seen have come from the united states in terms of superheroes uh, so seeing if, how how much they're going to utilize Wakanda as the setting will actually be really interesting um, in how much they want to like bring Black Panther out into the world as well. And that shot of Puerto Rico with the huge Black Panther in the after feature. Yeah, in the mid-credits. Like, that was so amazing. I like, wish that they had oh pulled out more and like you could actually see like more of Wakanda it would have been kind of nice to just like really pull out and just see like the but I guess they probably haven't figured out how far into the Afrofuturism they want to go with it so well and that's I think that's exactly right that I you know they may they may be looking to see how much their budget is gonna be mm-hmm. because <laughs> um you know Thor costs a lot of money yeah so true um Cor- Thor costs like more money than most of the other movies because of all the, the just the visual effects they have to do. Um, whereas they may not want to do that necessarily with um, with Black Panther. Can I also just go back and mention no. how wonderful it is <laughs> that Marvel is Marvel is populating their superhero universe with non superheroes mm-hmm. like. Ant-Man, no superpowers. Yeah. Black Panther, no superpowers. 
Um, Black Widow. Black Widow. Okay. No superpowers. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we could just keep going down the list. Most of them don't actually have superpowers. Mm-hmm. They just have stuff. <laughs> They're just like, hey, someone stuck a needle in me and suddenly I'm a super soldier. It's like, things have happened to me. Like, Wanda wasn't born with her powers by the rules of this universe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, and also speaking of a hero who didn't necessarily have superpowers when he was born, uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, played by Tom Holland. <laughs> James. <laughs> let's, let's, let's start there, James. What, what, did, what did you think of Spider-Man's debut in the Marvel Universe? So good. <laughs> so much better than so many iterations of Spider-Man. Mm. Like, again, in like 30 seconds of meeting Peter Parker, I immediately liked this version of Peter Parker way more than I liked any other version of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I thought uh, Andrew Garfield's interpretation of ama- as Amazing Spider-Man was really well done. I don't hold anything against uh, Andrew Garfield for his portrayal in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I put a lot of the stock for those movies not being as good or great as they could have been. Yeah. Um, mostly on the writing. That's a huge giant that in Sony. Mm. So, <laughs> um, I love your games. I love playing the PlayStation. You guys suck at making fucking superhero movies. Just give the movies back. Right? <laughs> like, so, this was obviously, oh, like, so, so the fact that we ended up with Spider-Man is the culmination of a lot of speculation that Sony finally just bit the big one and went, fuck, like, we're, we're bad at this. Like, we're not good with this franchise, <laughs> but we don't want to fucking give it up. Mm-hmm. So, let's, let's make a deal. I don't even think it had anything to do with them coming to, like, the realization that they're terrible. I think it was just them going, hey, we could get way more money if we actually gave the property back, but still own some of the rights to it. Right. So, so that's, that's the upside on this, was, um... Due to this culmination of an agreement that they made back with Marvel, because technically Sony still like like don't get it don't don't get it twisted, folks. Sony still actually owns the rights on Spider-Man. They didn't actually give up anything. They just made a deal. Yeah. Um, that said, hey, it's your property, so we're gonna let you make a movie. It's like your property. We own it. <laughs> you can have something back. It would be. It would be. It would be like. If Michael Jackson was still alive, it would have been like him going to Paul McCartney and going, I own your music, but I'm going to let you make another version of a song you already did, if you want. I'm going to let you do that. (laughs) But I'm going to reap the benefits of it. But I'm going to reap the benefits. (laughs) Um, So, so it's one of those where a lot of hope was struck on this, and a lot of that hope was met, I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, We meet Peter Parker, um, and we meet him at a point where it's very, he is very, this version of Peter from Civil War is very different from comic book Peter Parker Civil War. Um, Very different significant events having to do with Spider-Man in the comics uh, versus what we get here. What we get here is not even really remotely related. Like, his appearance in this was really just more than anything, a nostalgia factor um, to, to go, hey, Spider-Man, it's a thing. Um, and that we 
are, in fact, going to get a solo movie for Spider-Man um, that they have already said will not be an origin story. Like, the little piece of Peter Parker we got in Civil War, that's it. That's his origin story. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. Like, I'm... That was great. Like... Like Batman, yeah. everyone and their mother knows what happened to Peter Parker. Right. Like, <laughs> he got bit by a spider. I have spider powers. Yay, me. Spider-Man. And, Spider-Man. <laughs> right? His uncle died. With great power comes great responsibility. And let's move forward. He's like, end scene. So, <laughs> so, and that's really, like, and they don't even go into that, which I was so happy for. Like, they didn't delve into that. And maybe they'll touch on a little bit in the future. And and that's all I want is just a touch. Like, let's not get into it. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, this version of Spider-Man is this young man. He's still in high school. Like, this is this is Peter Parker before he, like, he hasn't even graduated yet. Mm-hmm. Um he's six months into his powers. He's still learning to understand all of what he can do. Um, and apparently Iron Man just knows shit. Yeah. That's how Tony figured like, it out. <laughs> right. Like there's just like, there's little things like this that I'm like, God, there's gotta be a Marvel one shot that comes out or something at some point, because there's just these little like plot holes that I'm like, but how did he, yeah, where, I mean, I know it's Tony Stark, and he just finds shit out because he's a genius. Well, it's it's you know, like it just goes to show when you make a good movie, how much will will just accept. Because right. we would totally not if this movie had been bad, we would totally all be raging about how Tony knows exactly who Peter Parker's Spider Man is, but has no clue who um, Ant Man is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Like, or he said that just to get on Scott Lang's uh, nerves, because he's got to know who Pink, Hank Pym is. I mean, well, yeah, the fact he... that, yeah. well, and the fact that they they establish, and this is something about the Marvel universe that's very interesting. There's there's some major players in the uni- in, in the Marvel universe that are brilliant people. Um, Reed Richards is the smartest man in the world. Um, he just is. Um, and yet he couldn't cure Aunt May of a gunshot? Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, we're not going to get um, into one more day. So, so, so um, stop it. Um, so, <laughs> you know, Reed Richards is, is, is arguably, like, the smartest man in the world. The second smartest man in the world, uh, arguably, is Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, because he has to... He doesn't like being second fiddle to read, uh, but he always has been. Um, Spider-Man is a really smart guy. Um, once you get into the later comics, like, Peter goes on, like, they, they, they did something really genius with him where uh, somebody really brought it up that, like, wait a second. This guy's, like, a genius with chemistry, and, like, he's a huge nerd, and he's just a brilliant guy. Like, he, he ranks on the genius scale, but he's still taking pictures for a fucking newspaper. Why is that happening? Yeah. Um, and so they did something really great where uh, in that universe, like, eventually they moved him forward. Like, Peter Parker became, like, some tech geek for some company. Like, and he would build gear that he would use as Spider-Man. And then, like, when he saw how well it worked, he figured out how to repurpose it for, like, general public. Yeah. So, like, he found something that, like, he used to, like, avoid sound waves from some, like, villain or whatever, and then he repurposed it to be, like, noise-canceling headphones <laughs> <laughs> for this company, and this company's making, like, millions of dollars off of his invention. 
um, which I was like, ah, that's one way, I guess, to stay under the radar. But they established very, very well in this movie that Peter's a really smart kid. I mean, even, even, um, Iron Man points that out where he's sitting there and he's just like, uh, you know, he talks about the webbing. He's like, the tensile strength on this is insane. Yeah. Like, how, how did you make this? Um, so he acknowledges, like, this is a very bright, very smart kid. Um, and then, like, we get into the whole, like, it, and they just stay so true to the character. Um, just... During the whole fight we get into where Spider-Man's a part of it. He's only, and he establishes, he's only a part of it because, ultimately, he was told by Iron Man, uh, Captain America does stupid shit. He, 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 he thinks kind of with his heart more so than his head sometimes. Um, and go for the legs. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, All right. <laughs> and so this kid's just signed up for it. Like, okay, I'll fight Captain America. Whatever. No, um, but but it's even whole... great because he's like fanboying out the whole time. And then he's like, your shield just defies every law of physics known to man. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, and it is all of that. That is such a critical point of Spider-Man that I don't feel like any movie is nailed down super, super well. I mean, it's been there, but it's been like, eh, whatever. But it is that, like, running banter from Peter during a fight where, like, it's this, it's not snarky, but it's this weird, like, sarcasm he has about every instance of the moment of his fight. And and part of it, I don't know if it's just, like, a distractionary technique for himself so he doesn't like overthink it so he's just he's there and he's active and he's moving his mouth and he can like focus on other things or what but they did it so well with this character um the spider suit a lot of people bitched about that and all those naysayers can suck it um <laughs> that suit was fantastic um and the thing is like i know a couple of people have been like yeah but it's like iron made man uh, Iron, Iron Man made it for him, and it's like, who gives a shit? Well, uh, and Iron it, Man made him a suit in fucking Civil War, so it's not a big deal. But it touches um, on that whole thing where it's like, because with the the previous movies, the you know one of those things that just never, still never made sense to anybody. I think really was like, how did Peter make that damn suit? Like, how did how did this like supposed teenager and and in you know like in the first round of them like he was a college student like how is he maintaining this like he can't like he couldn't right. afford to so at least with this there's actually a reason behind it like tony well, gives him the material I, yeah i, I well, think there's i think there's definitely an element of when you get a standalone movie like toby mcguire's um spider-man and even to an extent um the um, second iteration of Spider-Man, um, which was more based around Andrew Garfield, was really more based around the um, Spider-Man, the the Ultra Universe than the the Six One Six. There, it's going to be tough sometimes to explain some of that. I think they do it a little bit with the um, with Oscorp in both those movies, mm-hmm. but. Um, there's which which makes sense in a Spider-Man centric universe, but this is not a Spider-Man centric universe. No, this is a Tony Stark centric universe. This is a <laughs> Captain America centric universe. Uh, a superhero that's only been working for six months in a universe where Iron Man has been active for um, nearly a decade. It would not make sense for him to be coming into this sort of homogeneity. Uh, this 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 community of of characters 
completely unaided. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't. This just, makes more sense for the character in this story. And that YouTube video that he shows Peter of him in his uh, crappy, shitty uniform. <laughs> it's right. so good. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I, I think it makes more sense. It, it fits. But I, I don't want to... I want to let James finish before I go into my show. <laughs> yeah, sorry, well, James. No, it's alright. I mean, it's it's one of those, like, they, they just did so many fantastic things with this character in so many little ways that explained everything we ever need to know to get started with Spider-Man. I mean, the whole, like, the whole, like, he's supposed to be just running distraction. So he's taking on, he's taking on two heroes. He's taking on War Machine. Or no, he's on the side with War Machine. I'm sorry. He's taking on, um, Bucky and... Falcon. Uh, who? Falcon. Falcon, yeah. So he's taking, he's taking these, (laughs) he's taking these two heroes on by his lonesome. Like, he doesn't know anything about them. He doesn't know how they fight. I mean, there's the whole, like, Bucky takes a swing at him, which notoriously we've seen. That fist does damage. Because <laughs> um, on top of it, he's a super soldier with a giant metal arm. And the fact that, like, Spider-Man, like, catches his fist and, like, holds it there, and he's just like, you have a metal arm! That's insane! <laughs> um, like, you know, it's just, <laughs> like, it's these moments where, like, A, in that moment, you find out, exactly how tough spider-man actually is and dare say potentially stronger than even maybe captain america because we even see him go toe-to-toe with cap um and i mean he's quick on he's quick on his feet he thinks fast and and he reacts well to the situation when fighting cap and really the only reason cap is able to get the better of him is because he drops a (laughs) he drops something incredibly large and heavy on top of spider-man and he has to hold it and even in that moment like there's this nice camaraderie where he's just like he's just like you got heart kid and you see that harken back to like that 1940s like attitude like you you, you got moxie um, he's just like you got heart kid he's like where are you from and he's just like i'm from queens and he's just like from brooklyn and there's just this nice like trade-off there but mm-hmm. it, like so much of that was just so perfect for everything we needed for Spider-Man. And, and it's all the reasons I'm now just stoked for a Spider-Man movie. Like, yeah. I don't even care about the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point. I'm like, <laughs> just just give me a Black Panther movie and give me the Spider-Man movie and I'll be happy. Like, I would I actually really appreciate just Tony and Spider-Man teaming up. Right? <laughs> their, their banter was probably some of the best in the movie, and this is a movie that's got a shit ton of banter and humor in it that, again, we'll get into that soon, but uh, JP, uh, as as also a Spider-Man fan, uh, what did you think of Tom Holland? Uh, so, it's tough to say whether this is Tom Holland or the con- or just good good writing mm. um, and I'm going to say that because we, we we didn't get a lot of Spider-Man we actually get less of Spider-Man than almost anybody else in the film Ant-Man and, and Hawkeye it's, it's questionable mm. but those three get the least amount of screen time but what the writers are able to do in that short period of time is give you everything that's important about Spider-Man um, he has an aunt in this particular universe. She's incredibly hot. Um, he is he is j- 
genuinely enthusiastic. Like, that is who Spider-Man is. Spider-Man is... A, and I've written about this, and you can go and find stuff that I've written before, particularly when I wrote about Miles Morales many, many years ago when he first appeared. Um, the, the magic of Spider-Man is he is genuinely someone who's excited to be who he is and wants and wants to do well for two key reasons one because he learns very early on in his career which we touch on in this movie that being who he is and having what he has makes him responsible for the things that happen around him mm-hmm. with great power comes great responsibility the core of who Spider-Man is right and so it is that reason, it is exactly for that reason that both in the comic book and in this movie, it is it is why Spider-Man would side with Iron Man. Because if, if you tell Spider-Man, we have to do this because it's our responsibility to do it, mm-hmm. that, that resonates with him. Yeah. So we get that. We get the fact that he's always been a fanboy of the Avengers. <laughs> Right? Mm-hmm. Like he's just really freaking excited to be around them. I don't even think he cares that he's fighting them. I think he's he's over the moon he's fighting them as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then on top of all that, he he's genuinely like, okay, I'm going to do this, but we're not really hurting anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're just doing this, right? This is, okay, let's have fun. Oh my gosh, that guy turned into a giant. He's funny. I'm funny. We're going to have a lot of quips with one another, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I I thought it was fantastic. I have I think Tom Holland is going to be very good. But then again, I thought Tobey Maguire in the first in the first Spider Man was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked Andrew Garfield for the Spider Man that they were portraying. I think that the for me, while the writing was part of it, particularly the villain writing in the um, the two Spider-Man films with Andrew Garfield, for me that really suffered from they really did go with more of an Ultimate Universe take on Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which I don't think is the Spider-Man most people are used to. No, like the I've never had like complete problems with like Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire. I mean, I think that they represent a different type of nerd or how the universe work. You know, looks at. Uh, nerdy characters or whatever so it's it's different interpretations of the same character um but uh you know i've I've not always been the biggest spider-man fan i mean he's not necessarily a a character that i've ever really identified with but i will say that from the beginning from the get-go when you meet peter it's just it's like it just works like you know for someone like me who's just not invested in spider-man as a character for me to be like all on board when he shows up and he's got like the Steve Ditko uh, eyes and everything, and I I particularly love when he takes Cap's shield and he's just he he kind of awkwardly salutes him when he's holding the shield. <laughs> he's like uh, Cap Captain America, sir. Like the, those are the things that appealed to me because it very much fit with what I imagined this you know this young of a character would do. I mean, like James said, he's only six months into his his powers like he's obviously a fan of the avengers and then for him to be in this situation where he's fighting alongside them it's just 
the the amount of quips and the amount of references he gets in there like I mean let's just we can just get into the fight now because this is the huge like set piece that they were advertising throughout the whole movie and while it is a climactic moment it's not the climax of the movie it's just one thing to get us to another thing but still works on every level uh so we have the teams are set up and they're going up against each other and what I appreciate about this thing is uh, this fight in particular is that it gives everyone a chance to kind of shine and go up against people you'd expect them to go up against and then people you wouldn't expect them to go up against. Um, like JP, I am a big Ant-Man fan because of, of what they did with the movie. And Scott Lang, I think, got some of the best lines <laughs> during this sequence. Um, uh, James, what, what was there anything about the fight that stuck out to you in particular? Um, man. Was there a sequence that you really liked, like a, a, a people going up against each other What that you were just kind of like, oh, man, that was so cool. We're talking the big fight. Yeah, the big fight. Um, Avenger on Avenger action. It's the Star Wars reference. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> Honestly, the moment that there was that, um, uh, you know, it was a good laughing moment. Honestly, like, uh, what was really unique to me was the moment where um, Hawkeye and, um, um, good God, Black Widow, mm-hmm. um, are fighting each other. Oh, I yeah. Drink enough. That's my problem. Um, <laughs> when Hawkeye and Black Widow are fighting each other, there's this real little moment where, like, they, they have this pause to their fight while they're grappling, and Clint looks at her and he goes, we're still friends, right? And she's just like, that depends on how hard you hit me. No, you have um, to... And then they like, continue the fight. And you can see like nobody's doing this because they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's those who are doing this because uh, they, they feel like they're standing on the right side of things. There's those that are doing this because... Well, they all, they're all doing this because they, they all feel like they're standing on the right side. I feel like it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. Right? Um, so, so that moment was really unique to me. Um, James? The moment where Vision, um, it's such a small moment, and that's the thing, is like, really, Vision didn't have a lot in this movie, like, his role was really small, and, and out of all of the roles, I felt like his, outside of what happens in that fight, where, um, you know, there, there's the incident where he, he misses, um. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, his, his shot is dodged, um, and it hurts some, uh, you know, one, one of his friends, so to speak. You know, there's a whole moment later on where, you know, uh, he's asked, uh, you know, by by Iron Man, he's, you know, by Tony, and he's just like, you know, what happened out there? And he goes, well, I, I got distracted. And he's just like, I didn't think that could happen. He's like, I didn't think it could either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they do such a good job of giving us a love story without anyone noticing. Right? Right. right. It, it is this small moment, and... and 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 that's so much of just all the vision has is it's this it's this very small role where it, it is just that it's it's a love story between him and the Scarlet Witch, um, and and wherever that's going and suddenly like he cares about someone which which the thing is like for the vision he's the one care he, he's one of a few of the characters that he has a he has a very huge role when we start getting to the Infinity Wars, like, Mm -hmm. his part's very large, um, as far as how Thanos gets the stone and all that kind of stuff. So, it's interesting that for this, he had such a very small part, um, 
in, in the whole making of things. But still had um, such, like, it, it's such a small role, but he still makes such a huge impact. And I think that's that's what you could say about every character in this, is, like, even if their role is considered small in comparison, I mean, this is really about Tony and Steve going up against each other for all intents and purposes. I mean, right. but if you look at every character, they somehow contribute to something even bigger. Like, it's... I don't know how really to describe it other than that, you know? Yeah. I, so, I think that's a good point to bring up, and I think that could lead us into kind of what this movie begins to mean for the rest of um, the rest of the MCU and where it goes from here. Mm -hmm. And there's some interesting things that have happened, um, and it starts with Spider-Man, actually, recently that I think has changed the plan even for Marvel of what the next phase of um, few phases of movies would have been even from a year ago yeah because um, here's what's so here's here's the thing about the vision the vision and really um, and really Scarlet Witch their whole thing is this, is the makings of their love story but it's this they do really well to explain that there's there's a connection between them more than just the fact that the Vision is playing babysitter to the Scarlet Witch in the beginning of the movie. It is the source of their powers because, of course, in this in this universe, the Scarlet Witch's powers comes from one of the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that um, the the fact that um, the Vision is essentially the creation of one of the Infinity Stones, right? Well, the same Infinity, um, Infinity Stone, like the one that's in his head is what is responsible for Wanda's powers. No, he's the, he's the outcome of the Yellow Infinity Stone, and she's the outcome of the Scepter Stone that um, was wielded by Loki. No, but that's the, they say it's the same stone. Is it the same? It's the Mind Stone. Okay, well, there you go. All mm. right, there you go. Um, <laughs> Anyways, so the they they have this very in depth connection. You you I I kind of believe that whenever um, that it's going to be Wanda who saves Vision when he loses his stone, mm-hmm. right? Um, but anyways, so it's it's a really good it's a really good story, and it, it creates. You don't get a lot of time with the Vision up to this point. In the last Avengers film, the Vision is essentially every becomes like the judge and jury of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. He shows up to say, "Yeah, you guys fucked up, but now you got to fix it." Um, and that's his role in that movie. His role in this movie is really be Wanda's protector and, and establish that love story. Um, and I think you're right. Uh, James, I think that's gonna that's gonna be the seedling of a very important tree later, right? Um, but a year ago, when what was it? A year ago that Sony announced or that um, Marvel announced all the slates of the films and the dates. They, well, they I think every year they change it and they update it or whatever. But I think it was like a couple of years ago they had like the whole timeline. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Right. Um, and at the time, I don't think they really knew where they were going to go after Infinity War. I think they 
just knew what properties they wanted to play around with, and they figured, well, we'll figure it out once we get there. Mm-hmm. Let's see how the story progresses. And then something magical happened. And that is, Sony realized they're a bunch of aliens. <laughs> um, and maybe the greatest thing to happen to Marvel is the last Fantastic Four movie. Mm. Because... Sony realized, really, truly, they just can't do this. They're not good enough. And so there's a few things that happen in this movie. And with now, we know that um, we know that Inhumans has been pulled from the slate. Mm-hmm. I think that's because Inhumans are not going to be as important, though I still think they'll play a role. Yeah. Um, uh, because now we'll have Fantastic Four, right? Um, and there's a few things that are said in this movie about Thor and Hulk. We know that Ragnarok is going to center around um, Thor and Hulk's going to play a role in it. Mm-hmm. I believe that where you all were saying earlier that you're not quite sure when we're going to start seeing crossovers. Um, I think Ragnarok might surprise us a little bit. Yeah. Because this film was really the payoff for Cap and and Iron Man's story. And the way this film ends is we may never, we may never be friends again, but we'll still always be fighting the same fight. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, that's good, right? Which which is, again, this is a, a, a movie that almost is, is is practically ends with the shattering of one friendship of of, of Cap and Tony, and and you, your mileage may vary on that to like what degree it is, but still at the very end, it's hopeful. Like that letter from from Steve to Tony is just it's it's what you needed because that's who Cap is. Like in in the in the end, he's like, no, I understand if you're mad at me, but know that I did this for the you know for the right reasons, and I know that you'll eventually understand that. I don't know if we'll ever be where we were before, but, you know, I'm just letting you know that if you need me, I'm around. Like, we'll we'll be there. And that's, again, going back to Batman vs. Superman, a movie that tried to end on a on quote-unquote hope. <laughs> like, this is an actual earned hopeful ending, you know, that all I can do is just, you know, just stare like slack-jawed and go like, yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah. Right. So I think um, I think where we're going to go from here is, and another thing that you all brought up that I think is important is how many of the most intelligent people in the Marvel Universe are now in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that um, there's a little bit of magic here with Reed Richards soon becoming part of the the Marvel Universe. Um, we have Hank Pym, who they, those two are notoriously, you know, the, the two smartest men in the, the Marvel Universe. Um, we have Inhumans, which means Black Bolt is around somewhere, right? We have now um, Black Panther. So it's really interesting that we are very close to a full set of Illuminati. Hmm. Um, and we have a we have a 
Iron Man who's going to be in a very interesting place where he's going to, I think he's going to want to leave a legacy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's still going to feel guilty and he's still going to feel an obligation, but he's clearly no longer um, completely on board with the Sokovia Accords. Um, he does kind of have a realization as this plays out, right? Yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. For me, there's only two places that we go from Ragnarok. Either we really are going to get a um, War of the Hulks or um, Planet Hulk type um, storyline. Or it's going to be a galactic storyline. Um, and I think that given everything that they established in this movie about how important Black Panther is going to be, how important the, let's just say, world politics will be, um, the way the world views people like Thor and the Hulk, um, it's going to be very interesting to see where they go. And we might even get both. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is exciting for me. Well, and, and, and I think that what Marvel has, has also proven is that as much as they can do the big tentpole films, they're also very much capable of doing the smaller ones. I mean, Ant-Man isn't a world-shattering movie. Like, it's a heist movie. And I think maybe even going forward, because, again, with, with Civil War... It's not the big, like, Michael Bay-esque thing. It's not explosion after explosion after explosion. There are there are a lot of quiet moments where it's just two characters talking about, you know, how the Sokovia Accords affects one side or the other, or, you know, you know what does this mean for their relationship as people or something like that. I mean, my favorite moment in the entire movie is Tony and... Steve talking about uh, basically like uh, Tony's father and uh, was I think it's the Atlantic Charter like they're talking about those pens uh, and everything like it's a small moment but I feel it's the most pivotal moment in the entire movie because that's where Cap almost signs like he's he's like two steps away from it like and and Tony again because of his arrogance just he goes too far he he mentions Wanda is you know, in turn, basically, at the Avengers headquarters, which he thinks is a sweet deal because it's like, like acres of land and she's got a pool and shit. But he he seems to be missing the one big thing about it is that she can't really leave. Like, she's imprisoned there. And that's what turns Steve around. He, you know, makes his convictions a lot more solid about what he believes because, yeah, his friend is dangerous right now. Bucky's not in his right mind all the time. But he still deserves the fair treatment for the fact that he wasn't responsible for what he did, you know? He lives with the guilt, but technically he didn't do it, you know? And so that moment is so important to me because it sets up the, you know, the metaphor they're talking about with World War II and and just how they are looking at the situation so differently and yet think that they can convince the other one to come over to the other side. It's to me, that's the most impressive scene in the entire movie. Um, 
so, and actually, just on that, do, uh, JP, do you have a favorite moment in the movie? Because we're we're gonna have to start winding down here. I actually have a heart out soon, so. <laughs> um, favorite part of the movie? Yeah, it doesn't have to be like one. I mean, if you have a couple, we can certainly go into them as well. I know, right? So my mom always asks me after I, I come out of a movie, she's like, favorite parts? Like, what if you have all of the movie? Can <laughs> like, come back to me? Sure. James, you have a favorite moment or two? Um, yeah, I mean, a few. Okay. Uh, one of them is, uh, it, it, and it's just these like little one lines. Um, the whole fight between uh, Bucky Cap and, um, man, I'm just bad. Iron Man? Um, so, yeah, and Iron Man. You know, so, I mean, that in that whole fight, I mean, we have that one moment that, again, harkens back to the first Captain America. Oh, where, my God, you know, right. Like, they've been going to town, beating the hell out of each other. Um, and Cap stands up, like, after, after Iron Man tells him, he's like, stay down. Um, and he gets up and he tells him, you know, much like the bullies he fought when he was younger. You know, I could do this all day. That's that's still my like. Anytime he says that line, and they and the thing is, like, the movie earns it again. It's completely earned, and you're just like, "That's right, Cap. You could do this all day." Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, like, it's just super well done. Um, like that moment was great. Um, what was one of the other moments I really enjoyed? The moment in the car. Like, it's always the little humorous things where it's like they're driving around in this little shitty blue. <laughs> um, to stay incognito and so like good. at that point where like cap gets out of the car and so it's bucky and falcon left in the car <laughs> and bucky's just like could, could you maybe move the move the seat up a little bit and he's just like no and no you're right it's such a little moment but it just it's like the it's for the for like two seconds it's the bucky and falcon show well, or even when Bucky and Falcon are fighting Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and, like, he pins both of them on the ground with his webbing, and, and like, he, you know, he does, he hits him with the, the drone or whatever, and, like, Bucky's just, like, so you couldn't have, like, hit him with that, like, sooner? And like, Falcon's just, like, I hate you. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just, like, these little, just little wonderful moments. I want to see them go on a road trip together. <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, I will say that uh, one of one of my other favorite moments was when Scott, uh, when Ant Man goes big, when they do Giant Man, like that is probably one of my favorite moments purely for the the look on Scott's face when he gets like that big. He's like, oh, like that's that's the thing about Paul Rudd and this particular version of Scott Lang is that he's l- very much like Spider Man. Like when they bring him out of the van after they've kidnapped him, essentially. Uh, and he meets Captain America, and he's just, like, shaking his hand really vigorously. He's like, I am shaking your hand way too long. And, like, that Scott is just as much of a fan as Spider-Man. Like, he's he's the uh, Team Cap equivalent of well, Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, even in that moment when he, like, turns he turns around to, to Wanda, and he's just like, I know you. So, yeah, it's nice to meet you. Yeah, when he's like, I know you, you're great. And he, like, turns back around to Cap. <laughs> But just his eyes, like, you know, I don't know how much of that was mocap or if they actually just filmed uh, Paul Rudd looking really super excited, but when he gets big and he, like, grabs um, 
war machine and he's like swinging him around. He's like, oh, like he's just so excited that it worked. First of all, that he didn't tear himself apart. Well, yeah, well, I mean, and that even goes back to like in Ant Man when he fought when he fought Falcon that very first time. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he beat him and he's just like, I beat an Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, JP, did you did you figure out a moment or two? So I'll say this, and you can pretty much say any time that Paul Rudd is on the screen is a terrific moment. Mm. Like it's just it is fantastic. He and Spider Man, pretty much every moment they're there is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with the Falcon and um, and Winter Soldier moments, just because I. This cast is just so good. Mm-hmm. I love Sebastian Stan. So like, good. <laughs> he is... He is fantastic. Like, he in him, by himself could carry a movie. And he doesn't have to carry this movie. But he is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and Anthony Mackie just... They just, they just do so well. And that scene where... Um, Emily Van Camp finally kisses um, Chris oh, Evans. Yeah, yeah. Agent Thirteen kisses Captain America, and they're sitting in the back of the car. <laughs> Just giving him that look. Like the mo, they're bickering, and then the like looks they both give him. That scene is fantastic. <laughs> it's just so well done. Um. So yeah, I. Enjoyed that. I really enjoyed. Um, I really en- like. This is probably the most I've enjoyed Scarlett Johansson mm. um, as Black Widow. I know that she's been really good in all the movies, but for me, this is the most I've enjoyed her because this is the first time where so much of the um, of the character work. She becomes the conduit for so much of it. Yeah. Um, she, I, I mean, she's literally the whiteboard everyone keeps walking up to to write their thoughts on. <laughs> um, and so I, I really enjoyed this scene with her and um, Tony where she's like, look, Tony, everyone else has figured this out. You need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, be- because now it's you. Um, I think that was really good. I loved her, um, though, when she was at uh, Peggy's funeral and was just there basically because she didn't want Steve to feel alone. Like the, I, I like that they've been building off of that, especially since Winter Soldier, with the two of them being kind of like brother and sister in a, in a weird way. Right, like there's clearly nothing between them, but they're more than just friends. Yeah, exactly. Like they understand each other as soldiers. Um, and that makes her want, I mean, I think she, she gets Steve in a, in a way that no one else really does. So I appreciate that they're building on that. And again, it's the Russo brothers. So of course they understand how, how to, how to do that. Um, and then the last thing I will say, and I don't, I don't know that it was any one particular part as much as, um, just the way her story unfolds, but, um, Elizabeth Olsen was a surprise in this movie. Right. Um, she was really good and I think 
more than even Cap at times, she's the reason why you... And, like, um, the Russo brothers were very explicit. One of the reasons why they said they were never going to kill off Chris Evans, and there's a a couple good articles out there if you go and look them up. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the main reasons why they said they were never going to kill off Captain America, and spoilers, in the actual Civil War story, Captain America does die. Mm. Um, He gets better eventually. (laughs) They all come back eventually. Yeah. But um, um, they they were afraid of making him a martyr. Yeah. um, Because they don't necessarily want you to walk away from the movie having picked the side. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I would say that it's gonna. It, it would be hard for anybody, even with the, I, they try to like bring people back a little bit with the scene um, between Robert Downey Jr. and um, Don Cheadle when Don when um, he's trying to walk again. Yeah, be like revalidate that that Iron Man wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. But there's really no one way you walk away from this movie feeling like Cap was wrong. You may not necessarily. Feel like Tony was wrong, but you certainly don't feel like Cap was wrong. Right? Yeah, the as much as you're supposed to understand both sides, the movie is 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 very clearly kind of pushing you towards the Cap side of things. And I feel like Elizabeth Olsen is a big reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like her portrayal of of Wanda, the fact that Wanda is so genuine about the fact that she feels she feels guilty about everything that's happened but she doesn't necessarily me feel like it was her fault mm-hmm. or that she like she there's some there's some stuff that happens at the beginning of the movie that she feels is her fault but she feels like her redemption is important and her redemption and the fact that she always wants to do the right thing um becomes for me, the most heartfelt reason to pull for Cap in this movie and to pull for Cap's side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that was my favorite moment, one of my favorite moments. I think being able to do that when we don't really expect you, I mean, when you look at this cast, right, and you look at the characters, no one expects Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda to be the one that stands out as, as being like, but this is why you care. Mm-hmm. Um, and sh- she pulls it off brilliantly. No, she doesn't. Even when she has that moment where she, uh, you know, fights back against Vision and everything. It's, I mean, it's it's uh, it's the ne- the last scene before the um, the two of them kind of comforting each other on the battlefield type thing. But uh, when she has that moment where he's just like, they'll be afraid of you, and she's like, I can't control their fear. I can only control mine. Like that's kind of the the culmination of her story right there. And it's still an awesome moment because she just plows him through the earth. And it's amazing. Uh, And how important is it that she's able to do that to him? Yeah. Like, even that is just this secret little thing where, oh, hey, by the way, people, pay attention to what just happened because that's important. Yeah, she can shut him down. Who says she can't turn him back on? Like, um, but uh, and and before we go, I do, I do want to touch on the quote unquote villain of the of the story, uh, which is Baron Zemo or Helmut Zemo. 
uh, played by Daniel Bruhl, uh, who people will probably know from, uh, what was that, that movie? Uh, Inglorious Bastards, that's it. So, uh, JP, what did you, what did you think of the Zemo storyline and how it fit into the movie? Yes, yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um, I didn't feel like it was terrifically done in this movie. Um, they they changed his story quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. This is a very different Zemo than from the comic books. Um, I don't think it was a bad way to introduce the villain. I just feel like you could have named him anything. Yeah, um, I do like the fact that he becomes very Iago-ish in his role mm-hmm. um, and I think if they had played that up more as opposed to him just being a bad guy um, if they had taken a more um, Othello-esque um, take on the character it would have been a little better mm-hmm. but then you might have lost something else from somewhere else. So maybe, you know, you had a cut from somewhere. Why not cut from this character, who they do have more plans for, right? I, I um, assume so. I mean, you don't hire a guy like Daniel Bruhl and only use him for, uh, you know, what isn't... It's not like a huge role, really, because the Zemo stuff is is just kind of a catalyst for a lot of things. But at the same time, I think they did a really, I think they did a good job of making his story, um, you know, relatable because it's, again, it's not about the world ending. It's about a very intimate story. And this guy is connected to the Avengers in, in a particular way and how he uh, basically uh, turns them against each other has everything to do with their actions in previous movies. And so I, I feel like it works a lot better than if it was like some, you know, self-aggrandizing version of, of Baron Zemo. I actually kind of, in, I mean, you're right. They could have made him anyone. I mean, they chose the name because it's a familiar name of a, of a Captain America villain. But, um, but I still appreciate how they, they turned, they didn't make it anything more than what it was. I mean, and once you find the find out the the mystery at the end and, and everything, and all the all the revelations have, have been made, Zemo, in a weird way, is probably the most accomplished Marvel villain uh, in the entire MCU. So think yeah. of that. Think of that, what you will. <laughs> sure. Well, and so I'm kind of hoping that um, so Hydra's been kind of played out in the MCU. Um, I I don't know that. Zemo is never officially part of Hydra, I don't think. I think he just works with them quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I I forget um, at the moment. But um, one of the things that I I hated about the Iron Man movies was that AIM was used almost flippantly. Yeah. Um, And I actually think that AIM would be a strong... um, would be a strong candidate for a evil organization for the Black Panther to go up against. Mm. Um, and I think that Zemo would be the right kind of leader to take over for AIM, given that Aldrich Killian is no longer um, alive, right? So um, I think there's some opportunity there to reinvigorate a superhero entity. Mm. <laughs> I mean, a super villain um, entity or, or cult so to speak in aim 
um, that would be a good a good thing for like Black Panther and even like um, an Ant Man or um, some others to go up against in the future. And I think that Zemo could potentially um, fill a role there, and maybe that would make that character better. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, James, what did you think of the Baron Zemo uh, storyline? Um, I mean, it was interesting. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. It, <laughs> for me, I was like, God, that feels like a lot of work. Um, <laughs> I guess I just, I, like, this is how I know I won't be ever that kind of villain, because it's just... I don't want to invest that time. Like, I gotta plan um, this all out. I've gotta get all the makeup involved. I gotta travel to Siberia. <laughs> like, that's the part right there. Like, who wants to travel to Siberia? Like, nobody wants to go there by any means. History enthusiasts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was. The character, like, his motivations were really, really interesting to me. Um, the fact that, again, like, so much of this played back to answering for consequences. Like, I mean, there's there's a revenge story, God, around every corner. Like, really, at the end of this <laughs> so day, the, the, at the end of the day, the whole movie itself is just a giant revenge story. Um, because, I mean, you know, Black Panther's out for revenge for his father's death, and then we jump from that to... Um, you know, uh, revenge, uh, you know, Robert Downey's character's revenge, you know, Tony's revenge for his parents' death once he finds out, you know, that, you know, how, how things were caused, um, you know, and then ultimately, like, you know, Zemo's revenge for, you know, um, what happened? everybody he loved. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's dead. Yeah. Um, so it's just, like, like, really, Civil War, uh, again, like, it had multiple plots. It had one main point, but it had multiple plots, and they were each very clear in their direction. And and the Zemo character really like he just pulls it all together, especially at the end where like he's done what he's wanted to do. Like he he finished what he set out for, and it's for him. He feels like this is the end of his path, um, and that's taken from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like oh no, the living aren't done with you yet. Um, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how he plays into the future of the series. And even when, um, Martin Freeman's character, who is like a CIA guy or whatever, who I, I believe is going to have a bigger role to play once we get into the Black Panther movie, um, supposedly, I don't know, but it's Martin Freeman, so I don't care. Uh, (laughs) but when he's... When he's talking to Zemo once they've locked him up, and he's just like, how does it feel to have everything spectacularly fail? And he's all confident and everything. And then Brule, who's been, you know, Zemo, who's been looking down the whole time, finally kind of looks up and sort of smiles. He's like, did it. You know, that, I I love those kinds of moments where it's just like, he's not, yeah, maybe uh, T'Challa took away his ability to, you know, end his life, but he's going to take advantage of what he's been given now, you know? And, and I, I like that because it makes me feel like he's going to play a bigger part going forward. And, right. and and I again, I appreciate that. Like, the villains don't have to die at the end of the movie to in order for the heroes to win. Because some of them are actually interesting. And I think they did a, a better job making this an interesting villain 
where you'd like, I'd actually kind of like to see what he does next. <laughs> like, right. he's actually quite successful. So, uh, um, yeah, I think it was really good casting and a good use of a villain to play a role and and make a bigger impact on the story than you probably think about until like the end of it. Um, but to, again, we're narrow. We're we're getting down the line here. So uh, I guess uh, what? Uh, hmm. Let's. How about we just do like some final thoughts, like recommendation, like JP. Um, w- Oh, I don't even know how to do this. Like, just I don't want to end it really, but I have to. Just, just go see the movie. Just go see the movie. There we go. Just uh, go see the movie. This... It's a, it's, it's, it's not really good. I mean, it's not kind of good. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's got a fantastic cast. It's well written. It's well directed. This is what a well executed movie is. And the, the important thing about what the MCU just continually does what Marvel has continually proven it can do in its movies is completely change the characters without changing who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the magic of Black Panther, the magic <laughs> of Spider-Man, the magic of Tony, the magic of Cap, the magic of all these characters is that their stories are different, how they get to these places are different, this doesn't resemble the original Civil War, but it's at their core, they are who you want them to be. Mm-hmm. In a way that clearly a certain super dude is not. <laughs> they are who you ultimately want them to be. Um, and for that reason, they just keep being terrific. Um, and this one is the most terrific to date. Though I still not ready to put it ahead of Guardians quite yet. Okay, we'll we'll wait uh, until after Thursday and we'll we'll get your uh, opinion then. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe after seeing it twice. I, I want I'll be interested to see. My kids are really excited about it, um, and my kids would all tell you that Guardians and Ant Man were their two favorite movies to this point. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they come away from this as excited about it as they were about those. Um, that'll, that'll be interesting to see. Excellent. Um, James, uh, final thoughts. What would you like to say to the people? Yeah, see the movie. Like, <laughs> don't, don't waste your time. Like, don't, don't. Just, like, like if you were thinking, hey, it's died down, maybe I should go to my theater and see Batman v Superman. Uh, don't. Just skip it. <laughs> uh, go see this movie instead. It's a hundred times better. Like, see it multiple times. After, yeah, yeah. And then after seeing this movie, if you're like, all right, now I'll go see BVS, think again and go see this movie again. <laughs> right. It's like if you even think about, if you even have like the, the, the tendency of a thought towards Batman versus Superman, take a ball peen hammer, hit your head a couple of times, and then go see Cap and Tony instead. <laughs> Like, uh-huh. that's what you should be doing. Every thought should be about Civil War. Don't think about Batman and Superman. They're not worth your time right now. So, maybe someday, but not now. Uh, but yes, uh, along with my, my two uh, co-panelists, I I agree. You should just go see this movie, enjoy it, see it, uh, see it at least twice, because I think the first time it's all going to be about, like, oh my god, this movie is so great, and blah blah blah, because you're going to have just, like, that joyful kind of skipping over any things that maybe, like, might be a little nitpicky, but it doesn't matter. 
but upon each viewing, I think it's just going to get better. I, I feel like it's not going to be so much, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. It's going to be like, oh, my God, this is still awesome, you know? So that's what I recommend. And um, uh, as, as we wind down, uh, JP, where can people find you online if they would, in fact, like to read your stuff or listen to you? Um, of course, you can find me on the Maniacal Geek stuff. Um, that's where all of our podcasts get posted. Um, and then, of course, on Twitter, at nerd underscore nonsense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, chat with me there. Yay. Uh, and Gems? Uh, people can find me on Twitter, at Roman on the Racks. Um, and I think I'm on Instagram. I don't actually put anything on Instagram. Don't, don't follow my Instagram. You're not going to, like, take pictures of the bottles you're drinking out of? Right? (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, basically there, uh, Facebook, Roman on the Rocks, uh, you can find my page there. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Nerd Nonsense with, uh, JP here. We, uh, do stuff there, too, with our podcast, so. Yay! Uh, and as always, it is darling uh, darling underscore Sammy S A M M Y on Twitter. Uh, I am not on Instagram, so don't even bother. Uh, on Facebook, you can go to Maniacal Geek. That girl with the curls is a shared community because I can't consolidate brand. And uh, you can go to maniacalgeek.com as well and find the podcast on iTunes and do all the things. But uh, it's always a pleasure talking to two of my favorite guys. Uh, and, of course, we, we knew this was going to happen because we can't not talk about it. Uh, but, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming back on the show. And, of course, we'll be talking about things later in the future. But uh, on behalf of Maniacal Geek and that girl with the curls, good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> hey, shady baby, I'm hot. Light up a radical sun. Bigger, better, leany, meany, money, more, and flower. You're the chosen one.